Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today, I am really pleased to have with me on the line Vero Allen. Vero has over 20 years of experience in helping brands transform digitally, and he has helped accelerate the growth of SaaS applications at companies such as Ancestry, Omniture, and Adobe. Now he's the CEO of Clarivine, where he works with leading global brands to address high data integrity issues through the use of the data standards cloud. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation today. A lot of great stuff to nerd out on. Viral, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. It's great to be here. My pleasure. So I'm really curious to dig in a little bit on your background because, uh, you know, we're talking a little bit about your company, you know, before we started recording this and your company and your expertise really drills down into a specific need that a lot of global companies and even some small and medium sized businesses need help with. And that is managing and taming their data. Can you please tell me a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so it, it's interesting. You know, I spent, I came in, entered kind of digital marketing in the early 2000s. So 2000, I spent five years really kind of helping build the subscription base at Ancestry and, and got exposed to a number of different kind of uh, flavors of digital in that time. What I saw though, is I, as I kind of progressed in my career, I ended up at, at uh, Omniture and in a strategy and corporate development role, which really meant I spent the next 12 years of my career evaluating companies that have built platforms on data. And so, you know, I, I spent the 2010s really as an arms dealer to the marketing industry around applications. And Adobe's a great company. They, they built and acquired a number of com companies on the digital experience side of their business. But what I started seeing as I was kind of going through my career there was increasingly what we were doing at Adobe and what other companies were doing as well, like Salesforce and others, was as they're acquiring these technologies, a lot of the integration they were doing was really on the application side. There wasn't a lot of integration that happened on the data side because it's, that was a much more difficult process to kind of integrate that, lay that layer. And so a lot of what I saw is we were an arms dealer in the sense to, the, to this enterprise marketing organization, selling them applications, integrating at the workflow. And what I also saw was in addition to most companies using either a Salesforce or, or Adobe or both of them, they were using an, a myriad of other applications. So what I saw was, you know, the average enterprise, I think, has somewhere between 50 and 100 point solutions they're using to manage their business. What has happened, though, in the last couple of years, there's been an explosion, the kind of infrastructure on the data side in the cloud. And you see this, you know, a couple of years ago, we had, we had Snowflake go public. You see the growth of Databricks and other 
cloud-based data companies, what I saw happening was there was an increasing need for in the part of companies to be able to pull data from all these different applications, which are generating data, all these applications are, pull it down into single instance or multiple instances because you have teams now within organizations able to stand up on a credit card data infrastructure. As this was happening, it was becoming increasingly difficult for them to leverage and utilize the data they were getting from all these different applications and all these different experiences and collection points and be able to use that data to optimize their business, not only to evaluate what was happening, but to optimize. And it was becoming increasingly apparent that data to me was going to be the big push in the 2020s. If you think the 2010s is the era and the decade of applications, 2020 really is the decade to me of, of data. But in order to get there and to realize the value and, and the returns, companies are having to go back and reassess kind of the foundation of like, where do we have breakage in this supply chain? Where do we have issues with being able to actually accelerate the business through the use of data versus bogging the business down because there's a bunch of breakage in that pipeline and there's a bunch of challenges with the data coming from different systems. I saw this as an opportunity and I saw it as a need. And as I continued to look out and talk to people, it became increasingly clear to me that it was an opportunity for me to kind of take the experience I had at Adobe and saw exactly how this kind of ecosystem evolved and then kind of look at what is the next era. And I'm a big believer that problems in the ecosystem, it's kind of a value chain. The problems can continue to move across that value chain. And at times it, they repeat themselves and go back to a point in the value chain that you solved before, but a scale becomes, you know, as, as I saw scale become bigger and fragmentation become greater on the application side, it became clear to me that there was a big problem that, that created on the data side. So it was just kind of a shifting of what I believe is a shifting of kind of problems along the value chain. And it became clear to me that the next one of the big problems is that data problem in the value chain. You know, what's really interesting about all that is today, more than ever, we, you know, like as in companies or companies that serve other companies are being inundated with the addition of other sources of data. I mean, just think about the Facebook pixel, right? There is so much information that you can glean from that. And you also have all of these different processes and solutions and not solutions, but, uh, but uh, programs that are, that are looking to, to ascertain my behavior, that are looking to figure out my next intent. And that just creates an entire mountain of data in addition to the primary data that a company may be collecting just based on their own activities. I was just going to ask, how do you, uh, how do you help companies then? Uh, uh, merge the primary data that they're collecting with the third-party data that they're paying for, whether it's through the Facebook pixel or they're buying from, you know, from other sources. How does all that then get coalesced into something that really turns into valuable business intelligence that they can act upon? Yeah. And so that's, it's interesting because you're kind of hitting at the problem that, that I saw. It, it, it is interesting to, let me, let me just say one thing. It's interesting as you talk about the Facebook pixel and data from Facebook, what, what is happening also right now, there's a huge shift in the, in the ecosystem is you see the moves that Apple and Google, I'd call, say Amazon's taking the same approach where they're the big push on privacy, which really is a, to me, is also a big push on control of data. And you're seeing it also with brands and, and publishers as well. It's becoming increasingly important for brands to be able to not only manage their first party data, but 
how do you extend the view out into that ecosystem, like you're saying, like out of that third-party data ecosystem? What we found is this. There's a lot of people through identity that have over the years tried to kind of sync that data together. The challenges is that identity on the third-party side is largely starting to go away. There's a big push for privacy. The way we approach this is we look at it and say, listen, one of the challenges that you have is that there's no con there's no kind of foundational context for how this data here first party and how this data here third party or second party however you want to think about it fit together what we're trying to do is provide the ability for for enterprises and and other businesses to really set that context and as part of that context is being able to say hey this field of data over here maybe it's around the description of the ad unit or the description of the audience that was targeted may be unique to Facebook the way that they're naming that, but it may be very distinct from the way that Google names the same segment or the same ad unit. And so what one of the big things we're trying to do is start out and say, hey, listen, let's just start by setting standards so that you can see and evaluate and, and analyze data from this walled garden, this environment, and this environment. And we're what we're looking at is is starting there, saying let's 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 standardize this data, let's make sure the fields we're collecting in each one of these are similar and they're named the same. And let's make sure that the business context is associated with those. And we do the same thing for first on first party kind of, I'll call it, I'm going to call experiences or, or data. We're doing the same thing there. We're, we're attaching and appending to that, this context data that ultimately is being appended to that row of data, if you want to call that. And that context data then allows them to associate this stuff together in a unique way that they haven't been able to do in the past. And it's interesting because a lot of that knowledge sits today, in if you think about it, for campaigns, it sits in the it sits in the heads or on in spreadsheets of information workers you already have within your organization, within your agency, and in other parts of the other parts of the kind of marketing ecosystem, your marketing ecosystem, as well as that data is coming from applications that are part of your marketing ecosystem. All we're trying to do is map across that and create the ability for these organizations to standardize and create this context and then be able to attach that context to the other data there, whether it's first party or third party data that they're, that they're getting. And it's through that context data that we're able to create and, and we help them weave this data together in a way that, that is pretty unique from, from what they're doing today. All right. So uh, that's really interesting that you say that. Let's segue into your one big tip, uh, which actually has a really interesting premise. And you just touched on that is that a lot of this is data that you already have, or maybe not even realize that you already have, right? So you already have your sales data, you already have the campaign data that you're paying for, you know, whether you're paying for ads offline or online, there is already a multitude of ways that you can download that, put it into pivot tables and you know, do all the analysis that you need. One of the biggest problems that I've seen, especially in the pay-per-click industry, has to do with attribution, right? Because if you're running multiple campaigns, you know, like on a Twitter campaign and then on a Facebook, on a Facebook campaign and then on a Google campaign, those are, uh, first of all, the intent of those, of those different channels ultimately affects the outcome of the type of campaign that you're running. But also... You know, you touched on the need for being able to respect the the privacy. Those channels now are doing their best to anonymize the data so that you can't, uh, you know, do anything funny with it or make more political ads or, you know, what have you. Yep. How do you help companies then figure out 
what is the best way to use that data that uh, that they're already collecting? Yeah, so it's interesting. The, the way I think about our business is, in some ways, we're, we're not trying to replace the analytics applications or the execution applications or your BI or kind of any of the machine learning infrastructure you put in place. Really, what the way I think about our business is we're, we're helping you make Helping, helping increase the ROI from those investments you've already made in those applications and systems. And so when I think about how do we best utilize that data that they're already collecting, a big part of this comes back to, you know, as I mentioned a second ago, you see Facebook's change recently with a push towards media mix modeling away from attribution. The, and, you, and you saw their, their earnings recently. What, what's happening in the industry is this third, this whole kind of, 20-year history of this third-party data being available to do optimization at the user level, it's going away. And what the way that we think about the world and why, and why we believe it's so critical that organizations think about this is if you start at the very front end of, of the experiences that you're trying to create, there's a bunch of intelligence that sits in the heads of those individuals that are actually helping to execute those experiences, create those experiences, and execute those experiences. If you can find a way to onboard that intelligence from those individuals into your data layer, then there's a whole additional set of context that you now are is now available to you. And so the, the way we think about it is, listen, it's not just kind of this metadata, if you want to call it that, that we're providing, but it's how that metadata attaches to or is connected to the data that already exists and how that kind of enriches the data sets that you have. And so as we think about how I think about attribution and how, how companies can, can benefit from how, how, how can we can help companies improve those processes is it's really providing additional insight and ways to connect the data that may not exist natively with the way the data is coming from those from the applications that may be part of that attribution model, the data, the, the systems that are contributing to that attribution model model. And also it's this whole idea that, Hey, in addition to the data that you're getting natively from those applications, there's additional data that you have that should be part of this data set to improve the insights and some of the relationships in the data that just don't uh, natively exist because you're dealing with disparate systems and disparate kind of fragmented data from these different systems that you're trying to pull together. Everyone understands like, you know, I've, I've talked about this for years. In attribution, there's a bunch of, you know, there's, over the last 10 years, there's been a bunch of solutions on the attribution side. The reality is, and the dirty secret is the big challenge there is and the heavy lift is getting the data to a point where you can actually do the analysis. And so what we focused on is not the, hey, how do we improve and create a better algorithm or, or improve a better, you know, create a better mousetrap from like, you know, for example, attribution. But it's like saying, hey, we look at it differently and say, hey, there's, there's value in, in, in accelerating the time to insight. There's value to having richer data and there's value to reducing the amount of lift associated with with executing an attribution model and, and, and the insights associated with that. And so we're focusing on kind of how do we reduce the lift and how do we improve the quality of the data that goes into these models? And, you know, attribution is just one kind of application of that. So one of the things I'd like to touch on then is after a company goes through this process of marrying different data points and being able to, to create that additional layer that really gives them a you know, a real high level and even low level overview of what's going on. What have you seen as th that is the net result after a company has implemented 
that to their bottom line. How does that actually help them not only, you know, to increase sales, but also to help, you know, with more strategic growth, figure out new markets, things like that? Yeah. So it, it's interesting. I can't share companies' name, our customer names, but I, I can tell you, that, you know, we work with some of the largest brands in the world, and and I'm I'm thinking particularly about one of the large retail brands, and what they were seeing was, for example, they were doing analysis in their analytics solution. They're ending up with 30, 40, 50 percent of their data as unspecified as or unknown and not attributable to anything, and so. And, and, and I think anybody listening to this who knows who spent any time in analytics will see this kind of have experienced the pain of this, which is you collect data, you know, process it, organize it into and start viewing it in, in, in reports. And there you end up with this huge unspecified bucket that everyone kind of sets to the side and then does analysis on what's available. What we're seeing and where we really help is we take that unspecified and some customers it's over 50, half their data is unspecified. So they can't really, it's not really part of the data set they're using to do analysis and reduce that to 3% or less. And so it's really from one standpoint, the way I'd say it's additional data in the decisioning set helps improve the outcomes and the decisions that get made and the insights that get made. I, I can't, I cannot tell you how many times I've had conversations with companies and, and people ask me all the time, what's the biggest challenge you guys have in the sales process? And one thing I tell, say all the time is it's, it's, enterprise, it's kind of organizational entropy, which is we've gotten comfortable with 30, 40, 50% of our data not being included in the decision set and kind of setting aside as unknown because it's just that's the, that's the way we've, we've learned to kind of live with this, this, this level of quality in, in, in the data. And they end up making decisions that are suboptimal. The other thing that happens we see, and this is kind of, so that's one thing, better decisions, better data, richer sets of data. The other thing that I see happening is <laughs> one of the biggest brands in the world, we were talking to them and they said, you know what, we, we aren't able to optimize our media on Tuesdays and every other Thursday. And I was like, why is that? And, these, and they spend billions of dollars a year. And they said, digital, they said, digitally, they couldn't do this. They said, because the, the problem is, is that there's a period of time where we have to wait for the, clean the data up, get the insights, and then turn around and optimize. And so there's literally a day each week where we're, we're scrambling from the last seven days to catch up and we, we cannot optimize that day. So we're literally one seventh of the time we're running suboptimal and there's nothing we can really do about it because the data is what it is. And so we're dealing with kind of cleaning up this data. It's interesting because I had a similar conversation with one of the largest kind of pharmaceutical firms in the country, in the, excuse me, in the world. And they said that it would take them two to three months to be able to analyze data in a cross-channel way to make adjustments to the way that they're marketing to prospective customers in a cross-channel environment. And they said it was a two or three month delay. So their decisions they were making today were based off data they collected two to three months ago. Because again, it was the time it took for their teams to get that data into a format that they could actually, again, it's the cleaning up of that data to get it in a format to where they could actually do the analysis and start to optimize. So it's not only better data for better kind of higher quality insights, but it's, it's time to value that you see, that we see it helps our customers significantly. And the other part of that is, and people don't think about this, but there's a lack of, and, and I was talking recently to the, one of the CTOs at Deloitte and he mentioned, you know, 
your guys' app, what you guys are trying to help companies solve is connecting the quants and the creatives because what's what's happening is there's no common language between the two of them. There's no kind of data quality has historically kind of been a it's a down it gets shoved downstream. So it's kind of ended up in the in the data science, data engineering, data teams. But what he said is, you know, he made the point is like you connect those two groups and it's really about for us connecting not only technology and data, but it's also about people. Because one of the other ways I would say we, we create insights is because you can connect, we now have a way for a lot of our customers are using us for content. We're standardizing the metadata and we're standing, standardizing the, the data that describes content. And as content becomes a much more critical part of optimization, especially as you think about cookies and IDs going away and, and this whole test and testing kind of environment that's going to become critical for optimizing digital media going forward, Creative is a big component of that. It's not just audience and it's not just placement. It's not just the ad type, but it's the creative itself. And companies are struggling to figure out how do we analyze creative across different channels and different different audiences and different campaigns when the way that the, the creative gets named by the ad server, this ad server or this different application is different. We provide that continuity across all those experiences, all those channels, all those applications. And, and that continuity provides a much broader set of view of data that this team here, historic, you know, team A may not historically have a, had access to or a way to use as part of their decision set for, for optimization. And it's now opening it up so that the organization itself has much more access to data. And it's no longer, I'm optimizing everything in a silo, but I'm optimizing everything as an organization and as a team across the globe and everything we're doing. And that is to me, what is going to become critical is utilizing as much data as possible to make decisions. And it's interesting, we're, we're seeing now more and more adoption by more and more adoption of this, this concept of data standards as a foundation for data quality and data integrity, even by like machine learning and, and AI teams. So the, the data science folks, because what they're realizing is, is as they're building models to solve, you know, optimize or solve problems, what the biggest, one of the biggest problems they're dealing with is not only the time it takes to clean up data, but the amount of data that actually meets a, a certain bar of quality that can be included in the modeling. And so, again, they're looking to this whole idea, and whether it's us as an application or just the whole idea of enforcing data standards as part of the creation process and, and part of the uh, execution process is really helping them in create much bigger sets of data upon which they can decision off of, which, which again, drives better insights, better decisions, and better, uh, better results. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Veryl, can you please let everyone know how they can learn more about your company and how they can reach out to you directly if they'd like to get in touch? Yeah. I mean, it's, Probably the easiest way to meet, reach me directly is on LinkedIn. There's not a whole lot of other people out there. If you, if you search on LinkedIn for Viral Allen, I will be the only one. I mean, if you search for Viral, I'll be the only one that comes up. So LinkedIn, Viral Allen. Um, also, you can find us, just come straight to our site, www.clarivine.com. And lastly, you know, feel free to reach out to me via email. It's V Allen. So my first name, V Allen at clarivine.com. Happy to connect with anybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a, an amazing discussion. I love nerding out on this stuff. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jeff. It's great to talk to you. 
Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip Podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable One Big Tip, please go to onebigtip.com slash guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.